Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you've had a great week. Sorry that this is on a Friday that we're bringing this out. We're going to really get back on a regular schedule. I just know it. But look, I'm really excited, guys. Guess who is sitting across from me, y'all? Gray is back. Hey. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> you know what? He is a talker, but he hates talking on this uh, microphone. So we've already been sitting here chatting for like 30 minutes. And so I should have probably just recorded and not told him. So, Gray, what have you been up to, man? Yeah, that, that would have probably been smart. Oh, nothing. Just working for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, nothing. Just just working for you. Um, so, yesterday I did go live on Instagram. So, if you guys are not following us on Instagram, you really need to do that. Because um, I don't really plan these things. Typically, it just kind of happens. And yesterday was one of those moments that I had a few extra minutes. And so I jumped on and talk about fear and a little bit of, of advocating for your dog. So that's what I want to talk about today um, is fear and advocating for your dog. Gray, you have a dog that has some fear issues or have ha- had some fear issues, but also understanding that advocating for your dog is is a pretty important part of pet ownership. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. My, my dog's a little... A little special and you know it's just it's about knowing the limits of your dogs so that you can set them up to be successful and also you know helping other people understand where you're coming from where your dog's coming from yeah i mean because our dogs can't they can't talk to us right so you know when we go in to see a client we take the entire dog in consideration. We take in what they've learned in the past, what their environment is like, what their genetics are, how they're feeling themselves. And and I think that so many times clients want us to come in and just deal with that external behavior that they see, right? My dog is fearful when people come to the door. Fix that. Well, sometimes it's not about just fixing the person that's coming to the door and fixing that fear, because if you don't get to the underlying issue of that fear, 
it's just going to show up somewhere else. Yeah. It's like, you know, when we talk about aversive techniques and people using aversive techniques, so many times when you get like a dog that's reactive and they just want the dog to stop lunging and barking at other dogs. And so they'll go and, and get a trainer and this trainer may use a prong collar or a shot collar. And do they succeed in stopping the barking and lunging at other dogs? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll come out somewhere else in their life, though. It will come out somewhere else because the underlying issue was not taken care of. And the other thing is, it it, it looks like the dog is fixed, but truly it's just suppressing that behavior and not really understanding what's emotionally driving it, right? It's like, if you look at a kid who is, you know, having a fit in kindergarten uh, at nap time, starts having a fit and screaming and yelling... What do we, you know, you're going to find a way to just suppress that kid screaming and yelling so everybody can nap? Or are we going to sit down and say, okay, what's going on with this kid at this time? Right? We probably need to go see somebody who specializes in that. So, I mean, with that, if you have a dog that's barking and lunging at other dogs and things of that nature, you should probably find somebody who understands that deeper. And not every dog trainer understands behavior and understands where dogs are coming from. They're just focused on that external behavior, which Gray was one of those when I found him. Yeah, it was. <laughs> when yeah. I found him. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it's, it's like, it's like inviting you to go to a haunted house with me. And every time you scream, I shock you. Are you going to have a good time going? Oh it's my God. Suck. That's a great example. It's not going to be very fun. No, that's not going to be fun at all. I'm never going to a haunted house with you. <laughs> and I love haunted houses, but you're right. It's like, let me take you somewhere and then I'm getting mad at you. For exhibiting the behavior that you cannot control, that you cannot help. And a lot of times these dogs, they don't want to be doing this behavior any more than you want it. Right? It's like I look at these dogs and and I, it breaks my heart sometimes because I, I, I think I know that you don't want to feel this way. No. Especially with someone who has had anxiety in the past and I've dealt with depression in the past. Um, you've, same here. You do the same, right? <laughs> Um, so is Britt. Boy, aren't we a team? Because um, <laughs> we understand it so well. <laughs> we understand it so well. We're in a, Maybe we should change our names from like dog speak to like anxiety ridden. I don't deal with anxiety now. Um, I don't actually deal with anything now uh, because, well, I've taken care of the underlying issue and then I got a little meds. Meds are fantastic sometimes. But it's um, but it's it's truly looking at the dog. Why? why we're not looking deeper at the dog and the issues and just trying to fix this external. And I, and I think that's why a lot of people are like, I just want this fixed. No. That's not really advocating for your dog. And and advocating for your dog is saying, you know what, this is not helping their soul. <laughs> this is not helping them mentally. Physically, great, thank you. You shocked, you shocked the bark and the lunge right out. Yay, now I can walk my dog. But who is that really for? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the same thing as us, too. I mean, we have, think about all the issues we bring with us from childhood, from other things in our life that's happened. I mean, even from getting bullied in school. I mean, we bring that stuff with us, and it doesn't go away unless we deal with it. It's, it's kind of the same for dogs. And, you know, as much as we can drink and forget about it and do other things, it still is there yeah. in the background. Yeah, there are always ways to suppress behavior. Yeah. But that's not fixing anything. And dog training should not be about <clears throat> suppressing behavior. It should be about really getting to the root cause of these issues. Um, and fear is something that we deal with quite a bit. Um, good example of, of kind of this is I had a client yesterday that 12-year-old dog, 
uh, life changes have happened. Uh, dogs in a new home with the same owner, but new home, 12 years old lab and um, gets stressed out and anxious when um, the two people living in the home go upstairs because the dog doesn't want to go up the stairs. So for me, it was okay. I have to look at the motivation behind that. And, um, and after, you know, seeing the dog and, and talking with the owner and things of that nature, it wasn't that the dog was afraid of the stairs. It was that the dog was in pain and it was very uncomfortable going up the stairs. And so my suggestion was, I'm not going to force this. I'm not going to try to train this dog to do this. That's not appropriate for the dog. Um, we need to make sure we take that pain we need to, to manage that pain and get that pain under control. And I think that once you get that pain under control, the dog will probably go upstairs if it's important enough. And you know what? The owner was phenomenal. was like, you know what? Okay, yeah, I get that. I'm going to make phone calls. I'm going to do this. We're going to look at acupuncture. That is, that's our job, not to go in there and force the dog to go up the stairs. And I no. wonder if she'd, if she'd gone somewhere else for a regular just dog trainer, would they have force the dog up the stairs by putting a leash collar, dragging the dog, picked him up, put him up on the first step or whatever. So, and, and I say that not to put down other dog trainers because that's probably something I would have done 20 years ago where I would have been, okay, I can do this. I can get this dog up these stairs. Right. But it's, it's, as we grow, we start to really understand more of the dog. So being the owner, you want to advocate for your dog and, and truly understand if your dog has that fear, we need to take care of it and we need to go deeper and, and stop with the, well, my dog's always been afraid of thunderstorms. It's just who he is. Well, I've known people who have always been anxious. Is that really who they are? No, it's just, it's a, it's a debilitating issue they've dealt with. Yeah. It's there. It, it's not giving them any push into life of, of being positive and doing positive things because if you cripple with anxiety then everything else is going to suffer so if your dog cripples from anxiety of even thunderstorms your dog is going to suffer anytime we have clouds a little wind sprinkling whatever so it affects the dog on a regular yeah, construction basis construction sounds construction like sounds right because yeah. a lot of times especially like a lot of the, the construction that's happening especially in our area the blasting mm-hmm. can sound like thunder Right. So your dogs really do suffer from that. Uh, so let's just, I don't want you just looking at it and say, well, I'll just give them a, a pill when the, thor- the, the storm's coming. Because, like I said, it can be a blasting, it can be a truck backfiring, it can be pretty much anything. That's too unpredictable. Yeah. Well, also, you know, dogs do deal with barometric pressure. So let's yeah. say that the town right next to us is having a major thunderstorm. It's not raining on us, but we can hear it and see it. Yeah. It's going to affect your dog. Hmm. You're like, your lip just came out. You're like, oh, oh, shit. Now I feel bad. Damn. But that's what we have to think outside the box. Yeah. Right. Um, And advocating. We were talking before we started recording with uh, Jed. And Jed is a sweet boy. He's sweet. He is sweet. He is. A little much. He's he's, sweet. He's a lot. Um, But he he is sweet. But he does deal with some issues. Mm Mm-hmm. And you were talking how, you know, you had, you've had to learn over time. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, there's a lot of times I want to take him places and, and I can, but you know, like when I go to hang out with my friends and with their dogs and stuff, of course I can take him with me, but is he going to have a good time? And am I going to have a good time bringing him with me? Cause he's going to be stressed the whole time. I'm going to be stressed because he's stressed. 
and no one, you know, no one wins with that. It doesn't, it doesn't make him better just to be in the environment. You know, he can be in it a hundred times, but he's still going to be stressed every single time. So in those situations, it's more like, well, since I can't set him up for success to feel comfortable and well, since I can't set him up to be comfortable, I'm going to choose to leave him home for his own benefit and then maybe set up something different for him specifically. Um, yeah. And I, it's hard to do those things. It's hard to leave your dog at home when, you know, you're with them all the time and you want to take them places. But at the end of the day, it's not about what you want to do. It's really about what's best for them. That's absolutely. the hardest part. It is hard because it's, you know, and I think I mentioned this on, in, on another episode recently that I got Myers to have a buddy to take with me yeah, uh, because I miss having that. Um, Dayan was, was fine. I could take her anywhere. She didn't necessarily enjoy it always but Tebow was my Tebow was my soulmate <laughs> Tebow was my sidekick Tebow and I had this understanding of of we just knew each other and um that's why I got Myers but there are times where I've noticed as he's still maturing that he gets overwhelmed mm-hmm. and he's having a rough time and and so as much as I want to do something and have him be a part of that um, I have to look at him and say, this is not about me right now. This is about our relationship, and it's about making sure that you're comfortable mm-hmm. and that you're okay. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've I've not been able to take him as many places as I want right now. But I know that as we work through this and he starts to mature and, and we work through these things that I think we will get there. That I know that during adolescence, this is not the dog I'm going to have as an adult because he's still developing. But it's it's looking at him and saying, I get it, buddy. Mm-hmm. I know this is too much for you. I'm not going to force you into that. And it's, I we hear, and I know you hear it too, because we hear a lot of clients that say, well, I took him to this class to get him socialized. I took him to the park to get used to kids. I, you know, we go to the park every day to get him used to kids. Well, that's fine if your dog doesn't, if your dog has a neutral response to kids, right? If there's a neutral emotion towards kids, then you can take them around the kids. You can give treats when they're around the kids and you're creating a positive association. But if your dog already has a negative association towards, say, children, taking them to see children every day is not going to fix it, right? And it's, you know, you can overwhelm because every time your dog practices a certain behavior, say barking and lunging at kids, it's going to get stronger. Just like every time your dog practices, you know, uh, waiting at the door when it's open, it's going to get stronger. Mm-hmm. So it works both ways. We just have to remember we can't keep putting our dogs in a situation that we want them to change, but we're not giving them any tools to change. Yeah. Right. And I, and I, and I think that just really hit because a lot of people, I think, do put their dogs in situations where they're just expecting the dog will eventually just change that emotion, but we're not giving them any tools to do so. Yeah. Golly. Oh my God. I think we've done that for years. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think back when I was training 10, 15 years ago, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, we did that. And it was, you just go and you sit and you pause and do. all that yeah. and, and it's just see how they do. And But it's making sure that we won, you know, when you need a, to teach your dog a skill, let's say that you want your dog when they see children. This is, this is not what I teach. This is not what we teach, but it's just to maybe try to make it a simple example. Every time your dog sees... A child, you want that dog to turn, look at you, and sit. All right. Well, the first thing you got to do is teach turn, look at you, and sit. You don't go 
let the dog see a child and then ask them to do a turn, look at me and sit. Yeah. You have to teach that behavior separately. Why? Because when the dog sees a child, the first thing that's going to um, fire in the brain is the fear. Therefore, you're going to get the practiced behavior. So uh, we have to really sit back and say, okay, I need to make sure I give my dog tools to handle those situations, all right? You with Jed, um, we when you have, say, people come over, mm-hmm. you have worked on him some yeah. with people coming over. Yeah. Um, and, and then, but you kind of make a decision of, is this the right environment to work with him? Am I in the right headspace to work with him? And, I, and are my guests going to cause more problems? Exactly. Yeah. Am, are my guests, because when you're doing something like that, you have to look at the entire environment, mm-hmm. right? When you take a kid, a kid, when you take a dog and your kids, you're not only having to control you and your dog and your immediate environment. Now you got to try to control kids you don't know. So that's a big thing to think about. That's again, it's part of advocating for your dog and saying, I get you. I know I will protect you, but you can't control that. Yeah. And my friends are like, oh, come on, just bring him out. He'll be fine. Just bring him out and stuff. And, you know, it, that's the decision you got to make is, well, <laughs> I know my dog better. You know, this is kind of what I'm, this is kind of what he needs right now. And yeah, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. But then otherwise, I'll, I might bring him out. And put him in place. I might bring him out and put him behind a barrier. And there's a lot of different things I'll do with him. Yeah. Um, depending on who I have at the house. Depending on what situation is going on. But it is it is about recognizing where your dog's coming from and making sure you're setting them up to not fail in that situation. Which is, we tend to do that a lot because well, we get in the moment and people are, you know, we get embarrassed. Our friends are here. So we just, we just you know, <laughs> let things slide. Right. And then it cause some problems. No, yeah, I love that they're embarrassed because they're like, um, you're a dog trainer mm-hmm. and your dog acts like this. Um, yeah, um, I understand dog behavior, but I'm not my dog and my dog is an individual. My dog has his own brain. My dog has his own genetics. My dog has his own trauma. Um, my dog has a lot of things that I don't quite understand all of it because my dog can't tell me about. My dog is not a robot. My dog is not my um, obedient child. My dog is um, not my slave. My dog yeah, I, is I not. I got problems too, man. <laughs> I got right? problems. We all got problems, <laughs> right? My dog is an individual that I have chosen to develop a relationship with. My dog did not choose to have a relationship with me. <laughs> I, true. I chose to have a relationship with my dog. So I think it's only fair that I allow my dog to control some of that relationship. Um, just like I want him to cuddle with me. I just want to freaking hold you, man. And he's just not a cuddler right now. And so, I mean, I'm struggling a little bit with that because my Roddies have always been spooners and I just like that cuddle and um, touch is my love language. Um, I think I was a dog in my past life, but uh, I I want him to cuddle with me. But I know if I force it right now, I'm going to mess up our relationship for the next 15 years. Instead, I'm just saying, okay, we're just going to. We're going to work through this, and we're going to figure this out. And if he's never a cuddler, well, I've still got my cats, I guess. And they, they will cuddle with me. So it's, it's, a, it's, again, looking at the, your dog as an individual and knowing what's best for them. But you don't know what's best for them unless you truly understand them. Yeah. And understand that, that fear, fear doesn't always come from trauma. Fear doesn't always come from a negative association. Your dog's fear of a broom doesn't mean they got hit with a broom. Right? I yeah. mean... <laughs> It's like I was saying in the in the uh, Instagram live yesterday. 
I get a lot of clients' dogs or a lot of dogs that um, are afraid. They freak out when any beeping noise happens in the house. Mm. Microwave, the end of the cycle of the dryer or washer, dishwasher, and it freaks the dogs out. Um, I've even had dogs that freak out with the click of a pin. Oh, yeah. And people are like, I don't understand. I mean, you know, he's, he's never... Uh, we've never hit him. We've never yelled at him. We've never abused him. And all that might be absolutely true. However, if the dog has ever had a shock collar used or has been on an invisible fence and been shocked. So people think that, oh, I use a shock collar, but I just use the tone. No. Well, guess what? <laughs> That's actually probably worse than the shock because number one, the tone says, I could shock you, mm-hmm. but you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's going to probably be a few seconds if you it's know like or not. Me setting my gun on the table. I don't have to use it ever. It's still there though. Boom. Oh, that was a good one. No. Yeah. You're right. I mean, yeah, you could sit there and, and you have a gun on the table and I might be like, well, you haven't pointed it at me and you've never pointed it at me, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I'm a nervous Nelly about guns, then yeah, I'm going to be a little freaked out. Or if I've had a negative association, yeah, in yeah. the past. But yeah, it's the thing is, is that. I think sometimes the tone is worse. Um, actually, just having the collar on is worse because it's like, again, that gun. I know you have it. Yep. You could use it at any any minute, and I don't know what might cause you to use that. So it's going to suppress behavior. It's yeah. Gonna, the dog's going to be like, well, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> so it, absolutely. you. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. It's yeah. like if you've ever grown up in, in a house to where you never knew why you got yelled at by your parents, um, then you, know, you just kind of stopped – you just stop doing things. You just, like, I'm just going to go to my room, right? And you just, I'm going to be a really good child. And and I think with dogs, people don't realize that, yeah, you didn't shock them, but you set them up for this, this long-lasting um, fear of any beeping noise that could elicit a shock. Because it's, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's not, again, not just people that have used shock collars, but invisible fences mm-hmm. i see a lot of dogs have a issue with invisible fences yeah. um so i think we have to be very careful and we have to really stop listening to you know what has been done for years and oh this is a great thing to use and this is a great thing to use and this will do this and that and really look at your dog and say do i want to put my dog through that p- possible trauma to just get them to shut just, up just to get him to shut up <laughs> Trust me, I am all right now. I'm. I have looked at Myers when he's barking, and I'm like, I just want to punch you. Um, I would never do it. It just makes me feel better when I say that. Um, I think anybody listening here knows me better than that. Um, it, but you do. You just there are moments where you're like, Oh my god, I just need you to shut the fuck up. Yeah, oh but, my god, right? I, th- I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's been taught. You know, when a dog does something wrong, we correct them because that's just what we do as yes. humans. It's what we've been taught. But it's. I mean, it's I, again, it's kind of like kids. You know, if you go out in the grocery store and a kid starts crying and screaming what do most people do they tend to just un- ignore them and keep shopping and stuff. yeah why don't we do that for dogs instead we sit there and you know, people watching stop start hitting them right. and all that kind of negative stuff that yeah you know it's it's kind of the same yeah it's like why do we why do we just tr- i don't know i i know I, I feel like we're preaching to the choir um because <laughs> i do think that most of our listeners understand this um that that you know treating dogs as if they're just an object is not appropriate and that they have feelings and emotions and trauma and history and genetics and, and things that play a part. And, and, and the thing is that even if, you know, if their mother was traumatized by, um, uh, being hit by a car, let's just say, for example, 
and she survived, but the car is now a scary thing, then uh, one of the offsprings can literally be afraid of cars when they go by, even though they've never had a negative experience because genetics play a part and trauma plays a part. So, and it just kind of runs down the line. So again, we have to sit back and now you're probably saying, well, but Nikki, if you're saying genetics play that, then what can we do to fix those genetics? Right. So if, if my dog is afraid of um, the cars because of genetics, then what can I do to fix that? Do you give them an outlet for that? You can find an outlet, but I would say that, okay, if we have some genetics playing a part, let's, if the dog is young enough, let's try to change that emotion. Yeah. Um, maybe some medication may be something that needs to be used. But what we don't want to do is just say, that's just who my dog is. Right. Because then that dog is not having that quality of life that it could have. Because where are you going to go to avoid cars? The bike. Right? I mean, not saying the dog might not be afraid of riding in them. Right. They just may not be, a, they may not can handle cars Passing by. running by. Yeah, driving by fast. But it's a, it's, it's looking at it deeper than what we look at it. And so many times I see on a lot of these Facebook pages of, help, my dog is being reactive uh, towards other dogs. I need him to stop barking and lunging. Well, so-and-so did great with my dog. And, you know, he's, he went off for board and training for two weeks, came back, and he is perfect. Now he doesn't bark and lunge at any dogs. Okay. Did you fix the issue that was creating that? Well, let's see. My border collie barks and lunges at cars when they drive by. But I put a shot collar on him and he never does that now. Okay, well, let's look at the border collie first, genetically. They're a herding breed. What do they do? They chase. They chase. They herd things, (laughs) right? So what we did by doing that is literally told the dog that I know you were born with this need but I don't want you doing it because it's inconvenient for me. So um, I'm going to suppress that need. What do you think is going to happen down the line? It's going to come out somewhere Mm -hmm. else. There's a lot of frustration. You're going to get other issues from that. And I guarantee there's at least one listener that's going, holy shit, that's happened to me and my dog. Oh, my God. I didn't realize it. I was just so happy that they're no longer barking and lunging at cars. Let's find something else. To herd. Yeah, so they'll find something case, else to herd. Whether it's you, a kid, frogs. Cat, frogs. My border collie tends to chase, you know, not, not anymore, but chase uh, salamanders and, and frogs around the house. That was fun because I didn't give him an outlet for it. Yeah. It didn't give him anything else to herd. I mean, he's just sitting there in the yard. Yeah, and it's funny you said because Isabella, one of her jobs is to go over to Granny T's and she herds all the frogs into the pond. <laughs> funny <laughs> so she runs around the pond and they all jump in and she did her job yeah right they belong in the pond so she yeah. herds them so that's one of the outlets and the funny thing is is where her granny tees where she lives there's horses she doesn't go herd the horses mm-hmm. one because she's scared of the horses but we're giving her that opportunity to herd the frogs so it's yeah. kind of one of her jobs yeah i do give obi the uh permission to herd the squirrels though which Excellent. is nice because i want them away from the house there you go, yeah. right? And and that is the thing is if we just you, you think I want you guys as listeners think of something that you have this innate desire that you can't explain. For me, um, I don't know where it came from. I don't know, but I've always loved horror. I've always loved horror movies. 
Um, I like scary things. I like scary stories. I don't know where it came from, but I have it. If someone never allowed me to watch a horror movie, go to a haunted house, celebrate Halloween, decorate, I would be miserable. I would, I would not have a good life. And I would probably, I would probably be doing some things that I probably should not be doing just to try to fulfill this desire that's there. I can't explain why it's there, but it's there. Yeah. So think about that. What's one thing that if, if, that you have an innate desire that if I said, nope, you can never do that. Can you imagine? Mm, I guess fishing, hiking, hunting. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're an outdoorsy guy. Yeah. Wonder if somebody said, I know you're an outdoorsy guy, but you have to stay in the house 95% of the time. That would suck. Right. You would go insane. Yeah. Like I might as well I'd go. Start, and... I'd get really bored and start being destructive. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So we get these we get these guardian dogs, these livestock guardian dogs that are supposed to be outside doing things and we put them in the house and we wonder why they're becoming uh, aggressive towards strangers or people coming into the home or being, you know, or chasing the cats even yeah. though they're supposed to be a guardian. It's cuz all this frustration's pent up. Yeah. And and so we're not looking that Again, these behaviors, fear, anxiety, nervousness, um, stress, all of these things, there's, an, there's a reason for it. We have to find out what that is. And you've got to find somebody who understands that. And that's one thing that, that Gray, you're doing now is you're going from teaching dogs good manners to learning more about behavior and how to really get into the deep issues. Yeah. Right? So um, we were talking before recording that, have a client that I'm going to see that has a dog who has snapped and bitten and um, is only a couple years old and it seems pretty sudden. And when you look at that, a lot of times if if you don't go deeper, somebody's going to look at it and go, okay, so they freaked out when someone came into the house. All right, so let's teach a place command, a stay command. Let's show them how to act when someone comes over. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not really the problem we're having, Right. It's deeper than that. If a dog is resorting to snapping and biting, there's something deep there. And our job is to look deeper. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to look at, if, especially if it's suddenly, I'm going to be, if it's sudden, I'm going to look at any changes in the environment, any changes in nutrition, any changes in behavior other than what they're seeing right there. Um, and I'm going to look at the dog inside out. Is there pain? Um, is the dog... I'm having, is there a, a, an abscess tooth that you're not aware of? Did the dog sprain its ankle? Because yeah. the thing is that when your dog hurts itself, they're not always going to be showing you with limping. or well, My dog hides it from me. Yes. Because he knows I'll come over there and grab his paw and look at it and manipulate it. You know? Yeah, he's They'll like, I don't want you touching here. me. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I feel fine. I feel great. Mm-hmm. Which goes into more of advocating for your dog. Where many times um, I've I've had clients where I'm like, your dog's in pain. I need you to go to your vet. I need you to get a full physical blood work. I need this dog is in pain. And they come back and say, we got a physical. Everything looks fine. Everything's normal. But the dog's still exhibiting a lot of the same symptoms and behaviors. And this is where advocating for your dog is so important. You need to find someone who will give you answers that will turn every rock over. 
Um, especially if you have a dog that, you know, they, well, he'll limp a little bit here, but when I throw the ball, he'll chase it. Yeah. Yes, because that innate ability, that genetics takes over. Mm-hmm. He has he has no choice. He has to go chase that ball. I know his leg hurts, but he has to go chase that ball. Yeah. Opie has arthritis. He limps around. and But he's going to chase a ball. And my friends will throw that ball over and over and over. So when I have friends over, guess what? It's no not, ball. Sometimes I don't take him out. There you go, right? Because you go, I know better than you, yeah. right? You're something I just dog. thought of too. But yeah, it's, it's it sucks sometimes. But yeah, it's, it's important because... Sure, I can let Obi have fun for a minute, but he's going to, you know, once they leave, he's going to be limping harder than he was before. Exactly. And that breaks my heart. Right. And, and you go, I can spare you that. Yeah. Right. We can do, I can still let you chase the ball, but minimal so that you don't have all this pain for two or three days after that. Yeah. Right. And so I think... We need to learn to advocate and say, there's something wrong with my dog. I'm not going to take no for an answer. We got to get this. Again, not going with the, well, he's just always limped. He's just always limped. That's just who he is. No. 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 No, no, no. Please. No. Advocate for your dog. Don't wait until you start seeing things that the dog is so lame that you end up having to go to, you know, one night to the emergency clinic. Find those, you know, if you have a dog who's limping and your general practitioner vet is not finding anything, then go to an orthopedic vet. That's what they specialize in. You wouldn't go to your regular doctor if you are, you know, if you broke your ankle. You don't, you know, that you don't go and say, well, my ankle hurts. Well, I mean, it looks okay. I mean, your toes are still, you know, wiggling. You're fine. I don't see anything wrong. Your blood works great. Normal. Now, of course, in that example they'd probably send you for x-rays but i think you'll know what i'm getting at here uh you you have to make sure that that as humans that we are we don't know all the answers right i've been doing this 26 years i'm still learning every single day Um, i don't have all the answers i will work my butt off to find the answers or we will send you somewhere that has answers so you need to look at that in every aspect of your dog if your vet doesn't have the answers Again, nothing against your vet doesn't mean your your vet's a bad vet. Mm-hmm. Just means that maybe they don't specialize in that. They don't see that very often. They're not as experienced in that. You find someone that is. And you do what you have to do to make sure that your dog gets those needs met. And, and it's not just for your vet, but it's for who you're looking for to help with your dog for behavior problems. And And I can't stress that enough that... You've got to do your research when you're looking for someone to work on behavior problems with your dog. Not just not all all doctors are not the same. Not all vets are the same. Not all dog trainers are the same. Not all behaviorists are the same. Not all behavior specialists are the same. You really have to do your research because I guarantee, I mean, I, I'm a canine behavior specialist. I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of knowledge. However, I guarantee you there's somebody out there who's been doing it maybe only 20 years that has a great deal of knowledge, but they may have some knowledge at that mark that I don't have yet because of what we specialize in, what we enjoy, what we drive to. So again, you need to make sure that you, you look for the right, right things for your dog. To fix those, you know, to fix those issues and to get to the root of the problem. Because 
this whole let's just suppress behavior thing just pisses me off. I mean, you know, it's it's um, it's hard. It's hard. I had I had a client also that they live in a high rise on the fourth floor, and their dog is reactive to people and dogs. And this dog is over threshold every single day. Every time it goes out to potty, can I fix that? Nope. I can't fix that. That's I can't fix that. Not in the position that we're in. Medication, we're going to hope it helps uh, because the dog is over threshold all the time, right? So we have to look at the welfare of the dog. Is my job to go in there and suppress the dog's behavior so that the client feels better? Which, sure, I could have put a prong collar on that dog and I could have stopped every bit of the reactivity. Right. Does that change the emotion of the dog? Does that change the anxiety of the dog? I'm sure it does. Yeah. Not the right way. Not the right way, right? Yeah. It changes. It gets deeper because now their anxiety about the person that's on the other end of that leash mm-hmm. um, and when that correction is going to happen. Uh, my job is not to suppress that behavior. My job is to help change the emotion in order to change the behavior. And we're going to put this dog on meds in hopes that that can help because really the only other options are you move or you rehome the dog into a more quiet environment. But right now we're at the let's try medication and let's, we'll work off-site in quieter places to give you the skills. And they're managing the best that they can. They're doing everything that they need to do. They're doing a great job. Um, it's just, I literally had to look and say, I can't fix this the way it is. Yeah. And and as a trainer, I think 20 years ago, I don't think I'd have ever said that. I would have probably been like, let's put a prong collar on the dog. You know, I don't know. But I know now that looking at the dog... My job is not to make the owner's life easier. What I do should make the do- uh, human's life easier, <laughs> but my priority is to make sure that the dog's welfare is taken care of. And those are the type of cases that Gray's learning how to do and how to deal with. Joy, joy. Joy, joy. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just looking in aspects of all aspects of things. You know, we had a question come up from a listener on, um, and I'm going to make Gray answer this, and he has no idea I'm going to ask this. And right now, I think, oh, I think his face is getting red right now. Oh, yep, he's getting nervous. Hang on. And we're not even drinking is the sad part. He's like, why couldn't we have done this at night? Why well, I could be drinking. No, we're having to do this before clients, so we are actually staying sober. Um, and nobody's, we're drinking water. Are you drinking water? What are you having? I'm having water. water. You're having water. Oh, my God. Look at us being so mature and responsible. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, <laughs> um, we had a listener ask about um, things like what to do with things like uh, things you can't avoid. Like a dog being afraid of the vacuum cleaner. What are some of the things that you could help a client with in that situation with the vacuum cleaner? Um, Really, my I think would be, one, do we do a bunch of counter conditioning? Do we do a bunch of trying to change the emotion? Or do we manage and do other things in that situation? Or do we do a combination? I feel like it's going to be a combination of all of it. I mean, if I need to vacuum a house today and my dog is scared of vacuum i'm going to put my dog away and vacuum my house when i'm not needing to vacuum my house my house is clean that's the time i'm going to set up to hopefully work on it i don't know what the best method would be i'd assume a little bit of counter conditioning i'd assume a little bit of just um yeah counter conditioning i'd probably do yeah yeah so what the most important thing is what you just said if i need to vacuum my house and clean my house i'm going to put my dog away 
Mm-hmm. Right? That's not the time to work on it. Yeah. So it's like we look at what's the priority, right? In that moment, the priority is I need to vacuum my house. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put my dog outside. I'm going to put my dog in another room that I'm not vacuuming. I'm going to give him like a snuffle mat. I'm going to give him a snuffle mat. Yep. Yeah. Stuff topple, licky mat. I'm going to vacuum and then I'm going to put the vacuum away where the dog can't see it. If they're really that afraid, mm-hmm. I'll move them into another section of the house and then I'll go vacuum that room they were in. Yeah. Right. And then when it's not a need to vacuum, um, maybe I'm sitting the vacuum out um, I, just across the room. I just practice getting it out of the closet, getting it out, putting it back up. Getting and it yeah, out, getting it out, out, throw some treats, put yeah. it away. Get it out, throw some treats, put it away. Yeah. For me, something like the vacuum, I'm not wasting my time. I'm not going to waste my time counter conditioning my dog's behavior around the vacuum yeah. um, because it's it's something I can manage. And if it's something you can manage that's not truly um, creating issues in your dog's life, it's yeah. just that moment, then it's not a real, it's just a, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to go ahead and blame my brain still on COVID brain, um, but I'm pretty sure that's not what it is. It's, it's because it's Friday um, and I'm ready for the weekend. But it's um, it, it's just a moment of inconvenience. It's yeah. not um, messing with the dog's life at other times. So if I can manage something like that, honestly, I'm not going to waste time trying to get my dog to like the vacuum. Now, trimming the nails, though. Oh, that's, yes. That's where people get in trouble. They're, they kind of have the same mentality of that. Well, if I just get it done really quickly, everything will be fine. Yep. Well, then the more you do it, the more you do it, the more you do it, the more your dog hates it, the yep. more stressful, all this kind of stuff. So... Yes, it has its time and its place, such as the vacuum, because I can put my dog away, I can back in the house. It's all, it's all yep. good. But like something along like like brushing your dog or cutting their nails—that's something you don't want to just rush through. No, right, just to get it over with, because that's going to make it ten times worse. Yep, you'll want to slow down, take your time, and if it's only one nail at a time, you do one nail at a time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I only get like three nails in my cat before she's like not in the mood, <laughs> and then I let her go, and then the next time I'll get a few <clears throat> more nails. And yes, I trim my cat's nails. Um, there are a couple of them I can actually do by myself. Uh, and, you know, but like with little man, Myers, he has to have two of us. Um, he's not a big fan, but it's, you know, I took him to Milk and Honey, uh, the grooming place that we love. Shout out to them. I took him for the first time. Oh, my God, his barking going in. So embarrassing. Like, if you want to humble, if you want to be humbled as a dog trainer, just Take your damn little yappy dog somewhere and just deal with it. But he was just very yappy. But anyway, he he got in there. I was a little nervous about him staying, cause, but he had stopped barking after I left, and he was fine. And they were just kind of messing with the Dremel. And she said, we were able to do the Dremel a couple of times just to kind of get him used to it because they're a force-free groomer um, and they're or a fear-free groomer. So they take their time. They slow down. They, you know, and they get the dog used. They use treats, and um, Isabella loves it. And, um, and they just kind of said, okay, we're going to, we did a Dremel on one or two nails and we just showed it to him. And so they slowed down. They didn't say, oh, I got to get this done because this is what the client wants. Right. No, they said, no, the welfare of the dog is that this is overwhelming to the dog. Now I do know there are times that dogs are very fearful of their nails being trimmed, but it's also very dangerous to have their nails getting really long. And I've seen, I've seen dogs nails turn and go into the pad. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. So in those situations, we go, okay, there are times we have to do it because we've not done what we needed to do. Okay, so in that situation, what's the best setup that you can do? 
right? Um, can you do a little medication, right? Can we do a little bit of a sleepy time, little medication, yeah. right? Just to get through that. Uh, can we um, muzzle the dog, teach the dog to be acclimated to a basket muzzle so it's a little um, more relaxed because the person doing it's more relaxed because they know they can't get bit. So it, we have to look at some of these things. You know, obviously we want you to work on doing something like trimming their nails, um, you know, before you really need it. Right. Ooh, y'all, I don't know if y'all heard that thunder or not, but ooh, y'all, I love thunderstorms as long as there's not a threat for like tornadoes, um, pretty little thunderstorms. But it's uh, it's something like even with the trimmers, you might get the trimmer out and associate positivity with the trimmers and move the, you know, take the trimmers away, give um, give nothing, bring the trimmers out, give treats, take the trimmers away. And you might do that for 30 seconds and then be done. Or you might trim one nail, give a treat, and then be done. Two nails, give a treat, and then be done. So it's just, again, it's it's thinking about what's really crucial. Where should I spend my time helping my dog? If I can manage a situation that's not detrimental to the dog's welfare over time, mm-hmm. like the vacuum, we can manage that, then we're good. Focus on other things. But if there is something that your dog is truly afraid of, you know, if you take your dog to work with you and you're a house cleaner, um, you might want to work on that vacuum stuff. No. But I'm not sure if anybody ever does that. I don't think that you go clean other people's homes and bring your dog along. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? If it's not detrimental to the dog's life, manage it. If it's something that is detrimental to the dog's life when that's not happening, we need to work on it. We yeah. need to we need to focus and function on this. Um, and, you know, thank, thank goodness my dogs are not afraid of thunderstorms. Are yours afraid of thunderstorms? They used to not be until we had two trees fall down. The last yes. big storm, they they could care less. They'd sleep through it all. Ever since the last two, we had two trees fall. They're terrified. They're probably scared right they're now. Well, then you need to probably go take <laughs> but, care of um, them. Yeah, that's, and it happens like that. So what I do when a thunderstorm happens is I manage that, and I put them in my bed with me, and I cuddle with them. There you go. <laughs> so, well, so we don't have clients till later this afternoon, so we're going to wrap up right there so you can go home and cuddle your dogs. Um, any final <laughs> words that you have that you would like to share with our listeners? Because I know how happy they are to hear you back on here. And I'm going to make him start doing more with me. But don't worry, Brittany. I'll be back. I'll be back. That's right. You better be. <laughs> Damn it. No, I, I think everything you said was um, everything you said was good. I don't really have anything else to add to that. Just, you know, don't. Again, that's something I've had to learn. Don't put your, your dog and yourself in a position that's going to be more stressful for both of you. Hey, man. There's, there's a time and a place for that. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be right then and right there. Excellent. Yeah. And whatever method you are using, uh, make sure it's positive. You don't overwhelm your dog. You do it in small steps, quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, if your dog is four years old and has anxiety, you're not going to fix it in two months doing a session every day. Slow down. Right. It takes time to get emotions to change. We're changing emotion, not behavior. Changing emotion, not behavior. You change emotion to change behavior. Okay? So there you go. That's Maybe we need to do a shirt like that. Yeah. Change emotion to change behavior. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. So glad that you guys listen. Uh, we will be back on a regular basis. Uh, I think we're going to start really getting back to Tuesdays of um, video, um, recording, or maybe one day I'll just we'll just take an entire Sunday, record a bunch so that we have it. There we go. Um, and again, if you guys have questions, if you have ideas for episodes, 
don't hesitate to reach out. We love hearing from you guys. Truly, truly love hearing from you guys. Um, and uh, love just talking with you and, and answering your questions. And please continue to share the, the episodes and the podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, uh, Facebook. And don't forget our Reactive Dog Workshop is September 30th through the uh, October 2nd. We still have um, about four working spots available, and um, we still have the six auditor spots available, I believe. Um, I can't confirm that because Brittany's doing the registration. But we're super excited to be doing this workshop and um, we are available for you through Zoom. Uh, we can travel and do workshops and seminars and all those type of things. We just want to reach out and educate you guys best as we can and would love to meet each and every one of you in person one day. And we just appreciate you. That's all. And Brittany says hi because she misses you guys, but she's off doing her real job. And I didn't have time to wait on her. So uh, Greg got stuck with doing this today as much as he hates it. I'm glad to be here. You know what? He is going to start doing YouTube videos for our YouTube channel. Very short. So he has to get used to just recording um, and looking in the face, looking in the camera and, and smiling and all that stuff. So I got it. He's got it. You guys have a great, great weekend.